Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Klegman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Hey, and welcome to episode three of the From Entrepreneur. Where's the intro music? The intro music happened already. How come I didn't hear it? Because we And we have a very special guest for you here today by the name of Rabbi Tully Klein. I like intro music. I know, but we had the intro gets put in after. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's okay. I'm used to it. This podcast, I have a very special guest, as you can And I yeah, I just want to apologize to my audience in advance, but I'm telling you this is going to be a podcast worth listening to because this man has a story to tell. Rabbi Tully. sing about. And sing about. He's a big singer. I like the intro music. No, but it's very psychable. It makes you feel like you're in camp. Ah, and speaking of camp, so Rabbi Tully Klein is one half of the Klein duo who started and founded Camp Rananu. You liked that segue, did you not? That was a fantastic segue. You didn't know where you know, it was I, coming from. I hope you can do all my segues for all my podcast oh, thank shows. Thank you very much. Yeah, I did not know where you were, where you were going. Da, 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 da. That's not our camp theme music, but it'll work now. Right, we, oh, first of all, I came up with some great songs back in yes, the day. Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that in just I'm a minute. I'm sure we will. I just we'll probably focus on that a lot more than what you really want to Because about. Yes, we're going to get to that because I think it's very important that people should know that my skills as a camp counselor yes. helped make me a podcast host today. And being your camp director, I will take full credit for that. If without without pod- me, you'd be nothing. Only if the podcast is successful. Da, 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 da. Sorry, go ahead. All right, not a problem. Anyway, we are here, right? Tully is actually a very close friend of mine now. For we're actually we're just gonna jump into it because uh, I think the whole intro to, to this intro uh, da, 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 started uh, getting da, da, messed da, da, up a little da, bit. Da, 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 but uh, da, da, da. I first met Tully when it was I think my second year in Israel. <laughs> no, you you summer. met me. No, in... no, we don't want to go to that. I was gonna say we have an earlier story. The first oh, time I actually worked for you. Yeah. Right. But I don't know if you want to go into that story. Well, it's up to you because it's going to embarrass you. Well, being bad is something I did 30 years ago. 30 years ago. No, it must have been less. Probably about 27 years ago. Would mm-hmm. that still embarrass me today? We could find out. Should we tell the story? It's up to you. I think it's not worth telling. It's not worth telling. Not really. There's nothing to gain from a business standpoint. I mean, there is a lesson there. What's the lesson? Don't smoke in a house that you're babysitting. That's pretty right? much true, right? Right. right? Like if you're going to babysit, right. don't smoke in the house. But I think if you told the story about you smoking in the, somebody's house when you babysat the Not that time, I would ever do such a thing. No, but nobody would believe it. So maybe we should just move on. <laughs> Let's just move on. Yeah, don't that, that nobody would believe that. We're not going to tell that People story. People would go, that's obviously, they just, it, made, they, you know, they just fabricated that for the podcast. Right. Now, which we're not interested in. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. In any case, so what happened was after my second year in Israel, I wanted to come back for the summer, and I was looking for a job. And I heard about this new day camp called Camp Rananu. Actually, it was Rananu Day Camp at the time. Oh, now it's Camp Rananu? Yes. Oh, because it's not a day camp anymore. That's right. Okay, it was called Run a new day camp. Da, 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 da. We, we put the rah-rah in you. We always have. And uh, first of all, so I remember going for an interview at the Old Hill Academy in Passaic. Yes. Back when it was on Broadway. And we sat in the library there. And I thought I was a shoe-in. You know, I was very good as a babysitter, not knowing or remembering that I actually did babysit for his I kids. guess you could say you were a smoking babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> I was the best yes, you were just babysitter. Smoking. You know, I always wondered yes. why you never hired me back as babysitter because the Lovies, exactly why. No, the Lovies, the Bukins, they all hired me back. Yeah, but that's they right. loved me. Well, now you know. The Bayesians, I love the Bayesians. You smoked in the bathroom. Hello. I only did that 
if I did that was only in your house. Yes. I was having a bad night. Your kids were crazy. And that's why I didn't hire you back. But yet you hired me to become a counselor in your day camp. Because your mother begged me. She did not beg you. She begged me. That's not true. She did. My mother called you? She begged me. I said, please. You realize I was like, I must have been 19, 20 years old at the time. Right. That's right. And my mother called you and begged you to take the job. That's right. She so said, the whole reason why your camp was successful because of me was because of my mother? Yes. Did she really call you honestly? Yes. And she said, please take him? Yes. She sung your praises. Yeah. And she said, I will not be disappointed. And I said, this is on you. She says, okay, I'll take it. And, she had full confidence in you. And so uh, that's, I never knew that part of the story. Well, we, so don't wanna, we don't want to uh, fracture your uh, very uh, sensitive ego. <laughs> well, I mean – so okay, so I, I get accepted to this camp. Yeah. I'm mean, sorry, you did interview me. Was that before you interviewed? I did after interview. interview? You. No, I no. This was after. After interview, you had, you had a Havamina? Very much so. Really? Because you did tell me to take out a kid's book and ask me to read it. Yes. Which I was shocked. Right. You actually, had, please read this as if you're reading this to a bunch of campers. No, only because your mother indicated to me that you're great with kids, but you really don't know how to read. I've been reading since. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, then I didn't believe her on that. So that you tested my reading skills. Yeah. No. So anyway, so you come back home mm-hmm. and you speak to your wife Leia. And I said to her. And you said you to her, "You'll never believe. guess." I remember. Okay. Go ahead. That's right. No, that's it. You can't believe who I interviewed. And she said right away, "The jerk that smoked in the bathroom." I said, "Stop it! How did you know?" <laughs> she, didn't, she didn't say that. She would never use the word jerk. She would never. Right. She's and too kind for that. She's much too kind. But she had no idea. Anyway, so I told her who it was. And she was, like, hesitant. But she said, listen, if you feel that he'll be good, I'll go with it. And you felt that'd be good? Yeah, I did, actually. You were pretty desperate, though. I think it was, like, a week before camp was opening, no? Uh, no, we had <laughs> uh, we had plenty of time. And I just had the right vibes about – yeah, I was desperate, actually. <laughs> I remember. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, so we get to this day camp. Ron, a new day camp. This right. is How long ago is this? This is 24 years ago? The 24 first? years ago, yeah. 24 years. Okay, right. just a, a quick – the camp was a day camp for six years, and now we're in our 18th year. As a girls' camp. As a, I like to say weird, like I'm part of it still. Yeah, but you're not. But I feel like I am. Yeah, but really not. But I feel like I am, so that's why we're calling it weird. So 18 years in the girls' camp. So this business – first of all, running anything, running any type of company or business for 24 years is a tremendous mileage, you know, to, to do – It's all Seattle to the It was all Seattle to the 100%. From the first day. Well, I mean from, can, from when you hired me. Yeah, and it continues to be like that. Right. Amazing. So I want to, you know, but it's definitely not like people think you run a summer camp. You know, you, so it's the easiest job in the world. You start a month before camp starts and start a month out and then you uh, a little bit clean up afterwards. And, right. The hardest that's, thing. Right. People ask me, this is the ongoing joke. People yeah. ask me, what do you do a whole year? <laughs> I say, I try to come up with good answers for that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. People think that. It's like, right. but this is a full year, full time business. We, we start working on, let's say now we're on, we're in, going into 2015. Right. We start working in 2014 in the middle of the summer on 2015. In other words, simultaneously while we're running 2014, we're already You're already working on 2015. 2015. That's right. And it is a full-time endeavor. I mean, to especially, you know, if you want to run a top-line camp and you want to make sure that everything is uh, in order, I can imagine that it's a tremendous I mean, I know firsthand from what I just from what I've seen on the outside, mm-hmm. it's a tremendous amount of work. Right. Now, before we jump into I just a little bit of about the day camp. So, first of all, what made you Start a day camp. What was the plan? I know you had something. Your uncle had a camp. Okay. Manavu so, so, or... Right. So I was a Rebbe during the year. What school? Manhattan Day School. Right. Which uh, I was uh, working there. I had a nice Rebbe job there, and I had nothing to do during the summer. I wanted to make some extra income. My family was growing, you know. And at the time, 
I had been a counselor in, in my uncle's camp for a long time, and I, you know, camping was in my blood, so I really enjoyed it. So I figured, okay, we'll, you know, we'll take a crack at it. That was Manavu. That was Manavu, right. Who was your uncle? Shlemy Klein. Shlemy Klein. Right. Came out of it. So I was a counselor there, and then I became a division head, then I became a head counselor, and then I got married. So my uncle said, you're out of here. That's uh-huh. it. You can't stay anymore because we have no room for you and your wife and children and stuff like that. So I said, we'll give this a shot. And uh, we started very slow. We rented a, a, a public school here locally. Uh, didn't cost us a lot of money for the rent. You but know, it wasn't we, so local. It was, where was it? No. It you were living off, in Passaic at the time? Right. We started off very locally. Started off very locally, and we started very slow. I think the first year we had, a, I don't know, 100 kids, boys and girls. I mean, they were separate, but it was boys and girls. Right. And, uh, you know, we did the best that we could. We tried to run it as much as we could as a sleepaway camp. You know, busing were, was a new thing for us, which we, my, you know, my wife is very technically savvy when it comes to these things time-wise. And I'm not such a time guy, but she's like very time-oriented. So she picked up that slack. What did you mean you ran it as a sleepaway camp? In other words, well, everything that we did, I just tried to transform Manavu into my day camp. Uh-huh. So we went on crazy So basically trips. you had an overnight camp mindset right. while running a day camp. Right, which is what everybody does today, but I think we were in the forefront of it at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and people liked it. You know, we weren't the cheapest, but we weren't the most expensive, so the pricing was right. And uh, after the first year, word got around that there's this really new great idea. Kids are having a ball. We had them for longer than most camps did. We held them because we, you know, we wanted to give them a better time, so it took more time out of our day. Uh, another thing that I did was very careful with who I hired. For the most and, part. Right. And also, I hired professional rabbeim who also doubled as counselors, and these were married guys for the most right. part. Right. There was Rabbi Strauss Rosfeld, I remember. Right. So this cost us money up front, but the payoff was great because a parent felt now that they weren't just giving their children to 14-year-olds. They had married men who also had were young at heart, so they were teaching them, and they were also, you know, being their counselors and division heads and stuff. So that made a big difference also. That gave the parents, you know, a good feeling of confidence that there was safety involved, which was always very important. And so the camp grew. I mean, first of all, starting off camp with 100 kids is fantastic. Yeah, it was pretty right good. I, you know, I'm, I, I may be exaggerating. It may be less. It's such a long time ago. I don't remember exactly what it was. But we right. did okay the first year. We didn't make any money, but, you know, we were happy with the response, and we knew that more people would come the next year, you know. Right, and the next year. Summer, how much did you increase? You would say? I think we doubled in size. Double in size. Yeah. Wow. Which was very good. And we're still in the same you know, public school? I, I think we moved to a, a, a larger public school the next year. I think we contacted the public school system and said, look, we can't stay there. You know, we got to move to a bigger place. So they said, okay, fine. So they moved us to a larger location. Is that uh, when did we have go-karts? I remember that was like a huge yeah, thing. Yeah, so that was, I think, the third year. So that was maybe, the third year. So maybe the first two years we were in the first place and then we went to this other place. Right? Okay. Right. So that, and that was a larger place. And after that, and then the fourth year. And then the Fourth year, we moved to Suntan Lake. Suntan Lake, that's right. what it was. Right. I remember that's when, I mean, you must have tripled in size. By yeah, then, then we that, went. Then we, we had, had a real campus with right. baseball fields and. Right. Then we had about 500 kids. 500 kids in your fourth year. Right. And we also built a pool. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So wait, so how did that work from a business aspect? You invested the money and the, it was still, who owned who owned the campground? Interestingly, the person that owned it, he, the original owner, I think he was a sports announcer. Oh, really? Yeah. He was a sports announcer or, or maybe he was a boxing announcer, something like that. His name is, he was not in any way, form or shape and any connection to religion at all. Okay. He was a Jewish guy, of course. His name was Avram Klein. Are I'm, you kidding me? No. <laughs> Your son's yeah, name is My out. son's, right. He, mar- <laughs> right. he married a shiksa. Okay. And his son's name was Robbie 
Page, right? Who we never had the guts to tell. By the way, you're not Jewish because he always uh, thought that he, he was Jewish. But okay, right. fine, didn't make a difference. So we dealt with him, and they charged us rent. And after the first year, we were busing to a pool. And after the first year, we realized that you know, right? Could, what was that? Was a co- that was out it was of college. college, right? Montclair State. Montclair College. Montclair State, right? I remember that. Right. So we felt that if we could sign a, a few year contract with him, it would be worth it for us to put in our own pool. First of all, we'd save the money on the busing. Right. So that we would cut that in half. Sure. The pool cost. I don't remember. I have an idea what I think it cost, but I don't want to. Uh, maybe it was seventy five thousand dollars. Seventy five thousand dollars. And how long? Wait, this is going to the fourth year. Fifth year. This we was ready for the fifth, fifth year. year. Right. So you invested $75,000. You must have had a contract for how many years? We had a contract for two years. You put $75,000 in right, because we weren't, for two more right, years? Right, because the busing back and forth to the pool and paying for the pool almost was the same as just building one. Wow, okay. Right. And so going into the fifth and sixth year, I mean, first of all, I remember the camp was just phenomenal. Mm, People, uh, And, you know, you always did focus on staff, the highest quality. I remember that was something that was very important. I'm not just saying that, uh, you know, for myself, but mm. first of all, I, I, we, okay, we just got to get something clear and straight because, yes, it is true. Who was the best counselor in all your years? I mean, it's only six years of the day camp, mm-hmm. but who was the best counselor that you had in those six years? I can't really remember. No, seriously, if I threw out a couple of names. Go ahead. There's always two names that are thrown out. First of all, you had a lot of great counselors. Right. I mean, David Erblich was awesome. I right. mean, very artistic. I'm still very close to him to today. Yes. And uh, Nachum Kligman, of course. Who? Nachum Kligman, who was very innovative as a counselor, coming up with uh, you know the Motsei Tishabov shave Nachum's head I remember one activity. thing, now that you mentioned Nachum Kligman, I remember one thing that he did. He, was, uh, he wanted to do something for Color War. He wanted to make a banner, and he wanted to make it completely out of glass. <laughs> <laughs> and I told, yeah, I told him what's going to happen is first of all you're going to cut yourself in a thousand pieces and it's going to be dangerous for the kids and second of all it's never going to stick so you're never going to be able to glue everything and right. he said no no I'll be able to do it so I said okay fine so he made this big mosaic out of glass I think he cut gorgeous. himself in about a hundred places gorgeous totally and, every cut was worth it yeah and, and most of the glass did fall off within but it was the after color war was over yeah, yeah, he got no points for that. But, but yet, the two years I was color war general, I won mm-hmm. both times, mm-hmm. which was still something, uh, you know. But that has something to do with your mother again. What? Yes. You're lying. My mom. Yes. Had, no, I didn't. No, and nothing, I don't want, no, I don't no, want to hurt no, your no, ego, no, no, but no. really. I won color war. I was no. color warning general two years in a row. Right. First but. year, first of all, I, wa- I went up against Effie Weissmandel. Right. Right, and uh, whose brother I happen to be closer now is Zevi Weissmandel, oh, okay. who's an accountant and also a caterer in, in Ramapé Chamesh. Oh, right. oh, he lives there? Yeah. Oh, no, he doesn't live there. He comes every day. He right. <laughs> Good <laughs> but question. He's, uh, yeah. So I got closer with his brother now, but uh, Effie was considered the hot shot, you know, counselor. I think he has his own camp now, as you know, uh, Camp right. Rockton that he started, right. I guess, 20 years ago. A while ago, yeah. It was a while ago. It yeah. was after the day camp closed. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he was always, I always felt like I was going head to head with him, mm-hmm. but he really, when it came down to it, the year of color war, when it was, when I was color war general versus Effie, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, I did win and took that title from him. And then the next year I was color war general again. He was my Lieutenant mm-hmm. and went up against these two hotshot guys that were coming in. Mm-hmm. I forgot their name. Do you remember who those guys were? No. I don't even remember. Obviously, you know, since they lost Color War, they're, they're really probably, you know, I don't even know what they're doing today. But I just remember that that was a fantastic time. When you run Color War, it just stays with you like forever. And, and you know, that's something I wanted to touch on. What is it about summer camp that is so nostalgic for people? You know, that I, for my, I went to Eagle Country Day camp back in the day, back when I think it was Route 59. Mm-hmm. And some of those summers and camp in general just becomes 
part of our memories that really last forever. So the answer is simple because, and this is what we've seen in Camp Around for Girls as well. This, This is really the key. When you're in school, let's say, so you have 10 subjects. If you do well in nine out of the 10 subjects and you come home with a report card where you did not do well, let's say, in math. So your whole focus and your parents' whole focus and everything else is on why didn't you do well in math? And that just wears you down. In camp, it's just the opposite. In camp, all you need to be good is in one thing. You know what that one thing is? Having fun? No, that one thing is whatever you are good at. So it's all about you. So when you have 15 or 20 U's in a bunk and the counselor and the junior counselor are focusing on bringing out that best in you, you feel so amazing about yourself and the good counselors will find that in you. You know, We don't believe that there's good in every child and our counselors look for that. And when you come out after four weeks together with all of your friends and you're having a ball and you really feel good that you did something good in what you are good at, that's gold. That's why those memories last forever. Yeah, yeah because you, you can't stop thinking and feeling great about you and yourself and, and everybody funny, around goal, you. It's all about happiness in camp. When, when I was a counselor, my goal, my number one goal, and I came in every day, and you, you inspired me in this, and that is that it was all about the kids. Mm-hmm. And every day I came in, I said, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I, I, this, I'll remember to this day. What can I do that will create a memory for this kid that will last forever? Mm-hmm. And that was my intention every moment of being a counselor uh, was all about the kids, all about you know giving them an experience that they're going to remember forever. Right. And uh, it's funny, when I got engaged, mm-hmm. and I guess this is going back, this is probably five or six years or after I left Ronanu, mm-hmm. and I was walking with my Kala in Brooklyn, and there were kids across the street that were yelling, Nachum, Nachum, hey, mm-hmm. Nachum, how are you? Like it, even years mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. you know, my, my kids still remembered me. Now they're your, your creditors. <laughs> no, <laughs> and now funny. you're ignoring them. Now, <laughs> <laughs> Nachum, who is that? They pay no attention to that. <laughs> I have no idea who they are. No idea, right. My name's not even Nachum. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an incredible feeling that to know that all these years later that, you know, I had an impact on the kid. And even and Ronanu had an impact on all the kids that went to Ronanu. That's right. That even when they're telling their children, I mean, you're still going with the girls' camp, but even right. the day camp, people still remember it, you know, with tremendous fondness. Right. So after we got a lot of hate mail, by the way. What do you mean? Because of me? No. Oh, we got a lot of hate. We got <laughs> oh, this a lot, is true. You mean we got a lot of hate mail years later after we closed the day camp, which we didn't want to close it. We had no choice because we're going to get to that in a minute. Well, I can tell you right now because they just sold the property. People that we were renting from sold the property to Home Depot for thirty-two million dollars. They didn't even give us a chance to counter. That's a joke. <laughs> Thank you. No, but wait. So that's what happened. So the camp is at the highest point. You got six, seven hundred kids put in a pool. Put in a pool for seventy-five thousand dollars. Riding high. Things riding high. Everybody loves the camp. Right. Everybody thinks it's going to be around forever, right. and you get a notice, hey, we just sold for $32 million to Home Depot. Right. You guys are out of here. We're out of here, right. When did you find that out, and like, how did you respond? Before the heart attack or after? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Robbie Page called us and said, listen, you know, we got an offer on the property. We're going to take it. They had been running this for a long time. Their luck was in the right spot. They opened up Route 23. The city opened it up, made it into a superhighway. They were sitting on gold, so so you knew going in that they told they were up front with you that hey we may sell this property. I mean, no, they didn't say that, but they never signed the long term contract with us. So you, you know? had no, there was nothing you could do really. Right, nothing, nothing. So then you basically had except beg them and cry. And did that work? No, nah, not at all. Actually, no. Thirty two million reasons that it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> So that must. when did you find this out? I mean, you must have been in plans for the next summer So we already. found this out actually before we opened up the sixth year. 
So we knew that was already our last You knew that's it. Okay. Right. And I spent many, many hours and days trying to find a different place. But there was no place. Because you needed now a place that had a pool. I mean, you needed a yeah, yeah, we needed a, we needed a big place. I couldn't go back into a public school anymore. Right. It was, we were way past that. So that's where I was. So at what point did you guys decide that, hey, did you right away realize you were going to transition into a girls' summer camp? Or never. 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 So you basically, you closed Rananu. We you thought that was it. it. No, I didn't close it. I was desperately looking for another place, you know. Right. Right. And what happened when you realized? Well, so then this is where Hashem came into the picture again, because we were registering a girl in April, and she was actually an older girl. And she had been with us a few years before, and then she disappeared for a few years. Right. And I have no idea why I asked her this following question, because I never pry into other people's business. They could do whatever they want. Right. I, just, I was talking to her mother. I said, oh, by the way, you know, why is your daughter, who's 14 years old, wanting to sign up again for a day camp? And where has she been? She says, well, she was in a camp for the last two or three years, and it's a sleepaway camp, and they just let us know that they're not opening this summer. Oh, wow. So I said... What? So she said, yeah. I said, what was the name of the camp? She gave me the phone number, and uh, I called them up, and I said, I heard you guys not opening this summer. They said, yeah. I said, are you interested in selling? And they said, actually, yes. Selling what, the land or the, selling? The camp. I mean, the camp was a, well, we weren't going to buy the camp off them. I mean, we were just going to buy the property with bunks and all the other stuff. Okay. So he said, yeah, sure. So Was it a from camp? No. It was a from camp. It was a from girls camp. It was more more modern. Right. But who cared? I didn't care. What, what did I care? You know, I wasn't going to take their... No, but it's a big risk. I mean, you're hearing that a sleepaway camp is closing now. What makes you think that, hey, they're probably closing... If they're making tons of money, they're not closing down. Right. So, I mean, that you're saying, hey, they're closing down. Right. They're probably, you know, losing money, but I think that I could do this better. Right. That was a thought pattern? That like was exactly... That's right. I mean, you had a, if there were more modern camps, you had a different target market. Right. But did you do no. any market research? Like, what made no, you No, because think? I, I, I felt, first of all, I had, you know, now I had six years of experience running a camp. Right. And uh, I felt that, you know, I remember sitting at the edge of my bed and my wife coming into the room and she was saying, I don't really want to do this. So I said, okay, you don't have to do it, but I'm going ahead with it. <laughs> really? That's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what happened. You know, she, she, I mean, well, she, she's always working. I mean, she's not she's working. Not, I mean, she's not a, right, she's not a camp person, and she had had enough. She said, you know what? We had six years. It was good. Let's do something else. I don't have anything else that I really had any idea of doing. Right. So this was it. You know. So I wasn't going to give up my Rebbe job, but I said, okay, let's jump in, and uh, we did. And does she regret that still, or...? <laughs> There are times that she does because it's just an awesome. I mean, the work for a sleeper camp is just much more right. overwhelming than a than right. You're responsible twenty four seven. Yeah, it's just it's, it's just so much more expansive. There's just so many other. There's so many details that that you never have in a day camp, and especially you know even during the summer itself, a day camp. You know, you you shut at six, you go home, and that's it. You right. just throw your feet up and wait for the next day. Right. Hearing sleeper camp, you're there Friday, Shabbos, nights, right. mornings, Tisha B'Av, Shavasa Batamas. Doesn't end. Doesn't end. Doesn't end. And there's always, and you always have to come up with something new, something exciting. You know, you do. I'm noticing now more that that a lot of kids are going where their friends are going. And the thing that really concerns me over the last few years, I've noticed that there's no allegiance anymore to camps. Really? I mean, someone used to be you go to camp and you stay there for. And you stay seven, there. You know, you made your friends. You went back year after year. This is my camp. That kind of thing. Right. I thought it was a thing, just a girl thing. It's everybody. Boys also. Boys, everybody's jumping all over. Everybody wants to taste everything. Ah, uh-huh, so that's uh, actually... I think that's the big challenge today. That's very interesting. I mean, that may have to do a lot with, you know, the generation that we're in now. Right. Where people are just trying different things and there's no loyalty to anything and... And they can't keep their focus for more than five seconds. It's a shame. I mean, I'll tell you, I know that Ron and I mean, for, even 
from back when it was a day camp, and, and I know from the reputation as a girls' overnight camp, mm-hmm. that you guys, you know, when you're finding your niche, your niche wasn't just a religious girls' camp because there were other religious girls' summer camps. Mm-hmm. I think your niche was in the best possible summer experience for a firm girl. Right. Right? You did everything way above, and even with the day camp, you went beyond what was normal for it. Well, you, could get, you weren't looking, what, what could we get away with? Right. You were always looking at, how can we make this the best experience possible? That's right. Was that a conscious decision, or is that that's like, just That's just me. That's who I am. I can't do less than my best, and I, I want to be able to look everybody in the face and say that I, I gave you everything of myself. I I, no, but I'm saying, even with the food, you could get away with camp food, yeah, but you guys yeah, came up with, yeah, I mean, you hired chefs, you hired... Well, that's not true. Big... We, we have a very good cook, but she cooks very campy, mm-hmm. but she's an amazing cook, and she's always trying new things. So in the last few years, we've developed quite an extensive menu, not a fancy menu, because that doesn't work. You know, you could serve fancy food in camp, the kids won't touch it. You could serve right. a nice piece of fish, which we would say, oh, wow. What a nice piece of fish. Right. They're going to go, seriously? We're not eating this. <laughs> they you want know? pizza. They want pasta. Yeah, I mean, they want but you have to make French it fun. toast. Right, but you have to make it fun, and you have to make it you know, themed and stylish and stuff like that. But it has to be for kids. It can't be for adults. And that's the thing. That, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's what she really works on. Because I, mean, I think not, that's an important. She's not yeah. 25 years old, but she's always you know, uh, poking around. You know, What are the kids eating now? You know, there's some very cutesy restaurants that are themed for kosher restaurants that are themed for kids. She's always in there. Let's see what they're doing now. Let's see what he happens to be a parent of ours so that works a little bit in our favor also right you know one of the uh, one of the very kitschy type of food places but that's really what it is you know you you have to keep it i mean we keep very high standards not that we have to and not to talk badly about anybody else but you know we really are top of the line and not in a snobby way we're just top of the line because that's just that's who we are and i can't see myself doing it any other way you know i think you were, you were just touching on an important business lesson for everybody and that is know who your customer is and your, your customer really isn't your the parents the customer are the kids because if the kids are having a good time if you're catering to the kids it's not about making the parents happy it's about making the kids happy because when the kids are happy the parents are automatically gonna be happy they're gonna tell their friends and everybody's gonna want to go and have this amazing experience well that that's true but it's not true because okay. a big part of this is also really catering to the parents. You have to understand that parents, and I don't mean to you know, disagree with you. No, please do. That, that's the whole point of this podcast is oh. getting real answers to you know, these type of well, questions. It's, it's a dual mode these days because parents really have choices. And a lot of parents can feel disconnected from their kids. It's not like it used to be. When I went to camp as a kid, I went to camp as a kid. I, maybe I wrote two letters to my parents. They weren't interested. They weren't on top of me. It was fine. As long as, you know, whatever. Today, the parents are very involved in their kids. We have a camp mother who works, I, I can't even tell you how many hours, just communicating back and forth with parents. And we take every concern very, very seriously. For so, example... For example, I mean, obviously, homesickness is one thing. Right. A girl is unhappy with another girl in her bunk. A girl is unhappy with her bed placement. A girl is unhappy. So you don't just brush un- it off and say, "Okay, you know, kids are kids." Whatever. We have you actually we, deal we with keep it, notes. Sure. We keep we keep files. We keep you know we we do write ups on every kid every year. You know, we communicate with the parents on an ongoing basis. If you're a parent in my camp and you have a concern, we will get back to you within. I don't know, four hours or five hours. Wow. We don't do it during the day because then we're with, you know, our camp mothers with the kids. Right. But she spends 
you know, seven, eight hours at night emailing or calling and, and just telling the parents, yes, I went looking at your kid and she's doing better, or there is a concern here we are dealing with, this is what we're doing. It's become much more involved. The camp mother is not, a camp mother used to be, she used to put a Band-Aid on you and give you a kiss goodnight. It's right. not like that anymore. Now she's really... She's such an integral part of the camp. Which is actually is interesting from a technology perspective. You know, back in the day, you know, when I was going to camp, and I, I went to Camp Raleigh for a couple of years. I went to Bugged Avram for a summer. But, you know, you get to speak to your parents once a week on the one phone that you'd have to wait. And then you hear over the, uh, what is it called? The, uh, the PA system. The PA system. You'd hear, you know, Nahum Kligman, please come. You know, mm-hmm. you have a phone call. Please right. come to the boys' HC. Nahum, can we have a phone call, please? Right. And then you run over there and you speak to your parents for 30 seconds. Right. Hi, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And also, like, if you wanted to go to the camp, Canteen first, you had to write a postcard telling your parents how, how much fun you were having. Oh, that's a good and, idea. And the, and the, yeah, and, be, and then you'd give it to your counselor, and right. they'd mail it out for you. But, I mean, you've been doing this for twenty, you know, 24 years now. Yeah. How has technology improved, made more difficult, made more easy? I mean, you're talking about emails. Parents now from their phones can right. email you, you know. But how does that – I mean, that I can imagine you're getting 100 emails a night. That can, in effect, actually – Running the camp properly, well, while still trying to please the parents. Parents, parents will send. Thousands. And do kids have their own cell phones, or I? Parents will send thousands of emails during a week, and we print them all out and we give them out to the kids on a daily basis. So that's like a full time job for accounts. I mean, we used to have faxes, but now nobody faxes; everybody just emails. So we print them right. out and stuff like that. Part of what happens in camp is we're trying to disconnect them. Right, that was part stuff. of the camp experience is that you're disconnecting exactly. your ju- and technology has made it much more difficult because they want their phones and they want their, you know, Playstations and they want all the other stuff and we're not allowing them to have it. So there's definitely a disconnect over there and the kids feel it. You know, they really want their I don't want to use the word addicted, right. but that's what they're used to during the year. Right, you know? ten months anytime they want to make a phone exactly. call, they want to text right. their friend. So that or- so that's that's a challenge in today's world. And if you tell a kid, listen, you know, it's really going to be worth it for you when you're sitting next to another girl to actually, and I don't mean to be sarcastic or facetious, to right. actually speak to this girl <laughs> rather than just text her, a lot of times it falls on deaf ears. And it takes a while until they wean themselves off it. But that's the reason that we won't allow any technology. I mean, if I let cell phones and all the other stuff, I don't need to run a camp. Right. Let you them just, just, just sit in a room and let sit them. Sit in a room and let them just look at, look at, their, at their screens and that'll be the end of it. You know, like all us adults do. <laughs> right. That was a sarcastic laugh. No, it wasn't. No, it's unfortunately a lot, very true. Right. Yeah. Okay. I have so, a lot more to say on that, but I won't. No, it could actually not... give me a topic for another podcast. Oh, later. wow. I can't wait for that. That was sarcastic. <laughs> that no, was I, would li- I would like to talk about it. There's a lot to talk about, but let's just focus on this. Okay. So how many pools do you have now in the camp? Pools? Yes. I know you have more than one. How did, that, how did we jump from technology because we were talking to pools? About, because we were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about you had a day camp. And you build a pool. Oh, and I sell it. Now uh, we're back. Now you're in a sleepaway camp. So now you have a beautiful campus. First of all, where is it? It's in Pennsylvania. We're in, we're in Rileyville, the great little tiny burg of Rileyville, Pennsylvania, which is a little bit outside of Honesdale. We're about 20 minutes out of Honesdale. And you own the campus this time. No one's yeah. selling to the Home Depot. Yeah, no, nobody's selling. No, unless the Home Depot wants to buy it from me for $32 million. <laughs> <laughs> And if Home Depot is listening, that is something they may entertain. Yes, of course. Except that there's a Home Depot in Honesdale, so they're not, they're oh. not coming here. Yeah, it's an 85-acre camp that we actually rebuilt after we bought it from these guys. And we, you know, I was so anxious to get into something, I didn't realize you know the state of disrepair. Oh, uh, we first thing <laughs> we did was we actually burnt down all the bunks. Oh, that must have been fun. Yeah, well, not for me. <laughs> uh, and we rebuilt everything from scratch. So most of the camp is rebuilt from scratch. How many bunks do you have now? We have thirty bunks. Thirty bunks. Wow. How many kids do you have normally? We usually have between four and five hundred. 
Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And how, how big is the staff? I don't know. We have probably about between 150 and 200 staff. So 150, 200 staff for, I mean, that's phenomenal. I mean, yeah. that, that every kid's getting their proper attention, getting yeah. what they need to, right. and there to are thrive two, and, right. you know, their activities, whether it's drama or music, right. or I can imagine, you know, right. you know, as you said, bringing out the best in the kids. So you need to have a lot of different activities and different things for each kid. All right. So the campus, you have about 30 bunks. What else makes up the campus? Fields, pools. Fields, pools. We have a, a beautiful lake where we have a speedboat. And we have a banana boat, and we have a, tra- a water trampoline and an iceberg, and we have a triple corkscrew slide in the pool. So h- how many pools do you actually have? So we have two heated pools. Two one pools. of them was there when we bought it, and we put in another one. Right. That was really cool. That was like, we put in like this massive pool. Compared to the pool that we put in the day camp, this was, that was like a bathtub. This was like super cool. We had like a whole huge crew. Kind of, it was very, very cool. And we have a high ropes course that we put in years ago. We redid all the roads. We have a go-kart track, and we have a roller rink, which now we use more actually for indoor-outdoor soccer. It's become more popular as that. Mm-hmm. We have uh, lots of you know baseball fields and tennis court, and everything is lighted up. And machanaim, of course, which you have to have. And What's machanaim? It's a girl's dodgeball. It's a lot of fun, actually. It makes a lot of sense. What's the between a girl's dodgeball and a boy's dodgeball? What, the girl's dodgeball, it actually allows more girls to stay in. With dodgeball, you, when you're out, you can sit out for an hour right. and twiddle your thumbs. Here, most of the girls stay in. actually makes more sense. And every possible type of sports field we have, we have a wonderful arts and crafts program. We have a game room, and uh, I mentioned the ropes course. Yeah, canteen. A canteen, of course. And last year, I put in a mud obstacle course. A mud obstacle course. A mud obstacle course. <laughs> are you kidding me? Which many people told me was going to be a big flop because, you know, Basiakov girls are not going to get into the mud right. and just play with, you know, and have all types of different obstacles as they're running through. And luckily, I was right and they were wrong. <laughs> These kids had the, the time, time of their, life. of their lives. They wow. Could not wait. This was the most popular thing. We were trying to expand it this year, uh, but the weather is not really cooperating. We hope we're going to get in on time, be able to add to it. Like we, our plan is to add to it every year. I can't get enough of it. It's just crazy. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's also trusting your gut. You know. Yeah, I don't really listen to anybody. <laughs> Maybe I should have sometimes, but you know, no, you know, it's like you have to know what you feel. Like I, I went online this week and I, I saw another camp. It's not a Jewish camp. I think it's actually a Christian camp. Right. They have an amazing amount of stuff in it. So I contacted them. I said, look, I'm not, I'm a Jewish from girls camp. <laughs> We're not, We're not competing. <laughs> Would you mind if I came down to see your stuff? So that's like, you know, if you're a director and you get a, a phone call or an email from another director, you're in heaven. Because, of course, you know, right. as long as it's not going to affect my bottom line, of course I'll share with you. Sure, I want to show what I have off and let you salivate a little bit. Right. Plus, I think, you know, one di- if, as, when one can't direct it to another, you know what it takes to go through to running a camp. That's and you, right. you have that camaraderie, I guess, right. together that because it's, right. you know, there's only so many camp directors out there because of the amount of work and effort and time right. that goes into right. such a project. So he emailed me today. He was away for a week. I sent him an email about two weeks ago. He, I just got an email this morning. Yeah. And he said, I'm. I'm so sorry I was away, blah, blah, blah. I just got your email. Of course, I would love to talk to you about it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I'll so be making a there. trip out there and see what he's got. And where, how else do you get, like, I mean, that's fantastic looking at other camps out there, but where else do you generate ideas? And- so a lot of it comes from, you know, internal. We talk to the girls a lot, what they're into, what they want. 
Right. You know, what appeals to them. You know, a lot of it is, you know, is really asking them, you know, and we fine tune a lot of the stuff within the camp itself. And you have to keep with the times. You know, a big part of this is also youth. So a lot of our staff, we're turning over some staff now, and this is by design. We're trying to get in, you know, younger people Mm-hmm. in higher positions to really, you know, uh, appeal to today's kids. Because all they want to do is sit home and do nothing. Right. That actually is our biggest foe. It's not the other camps. All the camps, thank God, are doing well. Right. The biggest foe is I want to sit home. I don't want to go to any camp. That's what the kids want to do today. I mean, that's... Uh, it's crazy. That is crazy. It's man. crazy. And the parents are not going to fight with them. And they say to themselves, look, if my girl wants to stay home... I'm going to save the money, and why shouldn't I? But then a parent realizes after two They're days, home on their I phone. can't stay at home. So then we'll get a lot of phone calls. Uh, help, help, help me. me. Okay. You know, you know so. it's funny. I think in the, you know you hear the same thing coming from the yeshivas in Israel, yeah. where you know used to be going to Israel for the year was, yes, please, you know, the kids want to go get away right. from their parents and, and spend the year in Israel. Now it's like, you know, the kids just want to stay home, want to be with their friends, and right. they don't want to go away for, for the year. They don't want to do anything. And, uh, you know, thank God, you know, the kids still love of camp camp once they get there they love it right but some of them just you know they just don't want to go i mean it could be i mean you could say that camp today is more important for today's youth getting out shutting off the phones right getting out in the fresh air running around right. is probably more important to, like camp is not just about having fun now right. which, which it is but right. just from a i don't know it's for the nefesh or for the neshama and, and i'm glad you're bringing that up because i, I really want to make this point and i've been this has my been my rallying cry for the last two or three years um you know, we live in a world today where there are a lot of outside influences and there are a lot of organizations that are dealing with a lot of kids that have gone off the derech. I cannot tell you how important camp is to keep kids on the derech <laughs> because if they have a summer where they're in a good mood and they're with people who are happy and are from and these kids are around these role models and then a kid down the line is, uh, you know, faced with choices and challenges later on, and she can, you know, do a recall of something that her counselor or her her director or her arts and crafts counselor or her waitress or anybody else did that had an effect on her and keeps her on the straight and narrow. That's the big payoff. So I say, rather than you know, wait until it's too late, send your kids to camp. Put so them in a proper environment. Put them in the right sviva. Let them have that simcha sachayim that they may be missing in school, or but they don't have an opportunity during the year because of pressures or whatever else. And this really will stay with them forever. So I feel, naturally I feel this way because I want the kids to come to camp, right. but really, seriously speaking, camp today is more important than it's ever, ever been for the future of Kalah Yisrael. Wow. Because which other place do you have a chance to be from and to have fun in an upbeat atmosphere without the pressures that everybody faces? You don't have to dress fancy. You don't have to do anything outside of just be yourself in a from environment surrounded by 150 role models. Amazing. That's, that's amazing. It really is. You truthy, you should be speaking at Torah Sora or a good Yisrael. All right, okay. I'm there. Well, now that I'm doing this podcast, <laughs> the sky is the limit. The sky is the right. You know, and and I'm not discounting in any way. You know, the good work that the Kirov camps are going. My plea is, but the Kirov camps, a base Yaakov girl is not going to a Kirov camp. Right, that's true. But we we want to. I said this is prevention. I mean, right. This is this is, this is so much more important. You right. know, and we are appealing more to the staff who. 
feel an urge to want to give back something. And I keep saying, if you want to give back something, give back where you really need to be appreciated. Not that you're going to get a kid who comes from Arkansas who you're going to teach this girl to maybe make a bracha. You know, how about the kid that's, you know, that needs you to remain from and that you can do so much more for them now before it's too late. Interesting, which actually leads me to another question. Oh. How often do the kids interact with their counselors after camp? Like camp ends and that's it or is they still maintain relationships with their counselors? Right, so that's a very good question. That really depends on the counselors and that really depends on the kids. I don't really have good data on that to let you know. I know that there are a lot of kids out there who tell me that they maintain relationships with their counselors and then there are those that don't. I don't know. I don't know how to go. But you do, you do do the sort of reunions in the winter. We do a reunion. We started an email list a few years ago. This year we, we went to an email, like a constant contact type of newsletter that we give out every week. It goes out to Every the, week during the year? Yeah, every week during the year. Oh, wow. Yeah. The only problem with that is, is that we're not really reaching enough of the younger kids because they're not really going on these things. So the mm-hmm. older kids are all clued in and they all keep in touch with each other. Right. I'm trying to figure out, you know, more how to reach the younger kids because I don't blame the parents. They don't want their kids on the internet. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, we spoke about this for a long time before we even did this, but we felt that, you know, we got Well, permission. you don't even have a website. from. We don't have a website because of that. We don't want them, you know, but this, we felt that if we sent out an email and they got it once a week on a Friday afternoon, uh, you know, it was fine. We asked we asked Shilas about it. You know, right. we certainly don't want to be in a position where we're going to encourage kids to do things that their parents don't want. Of course, but not. we got the okay from the parents. We sent out. You know, every parent had to sign a permission uh, just a to permission, get an email you know, newsletter. Just an email newsletter. Right. I'm not going to put a parent in a position where oh my gosh, my kid wants to go on and you're putting this undue pressure on me, and I don't really believe on it. So we believe in it. So right. we didn't do it that way. We didn't send it to the kids. We sent it to the parents, and you know, we made it very clear: if you're uncomfortable with this, it's no problem. Just delete it and... No, just we won't send it to you. You won't even send it, but the feedback was... Yeah, yeah. those parents that are more concerned actually will send it to the parents' email. They'll print it off for the kids and stuff like that. So there are ways, you know, it's very touchy because you got to be very careful. But we want to communicate with the kids during the year. You you can't call them, you know, and you're not going to keep sending out letters to them. They don't even read them anymore, so... You guys have, I mean, you have tennis. Can I tell you one, one quick story? Tell this me. T- a funny yes. story because you were contrasting between the day camp yeah. and the sleepaway camp. So this young man comes over to me and he says, I got to tell you this story. He's about 21, 22. I said, okay. He says, I was dating a girl and uh, we were schmoozing and I asked her, by the way, which camp did you go to? So she says, I went to Ronanu. Right. And he says, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know that we used to be a day camp. Even though it was boys and girls separate, but we had, you know, 250 boys and 250 girls. That's so funny. She had no idea because she only went to, you know, Camp Ronanu for girls. So she's looking at him like he's from Mars. <laughs> and, and he knows that she had no idea that there was ever a yeah. Ronanu day camp. Uh-huh. So he's just playing her. That's he's really saying, funny. And he's saying, no, really, I went to Ronanu. She says, what are you talking about? How could you have gone to Ronanu? <laughs> anyway, so she finally told her, but he couldn't wa- wa- wait to tell me this. Was story. he in my bunk? It wasn't in your bunk and he didn't end up marrying her. Oh, but it's a funny story. Anyway. That's, just, That's what everybody wants to know. You're the first one that wants to know if he was in your bunk. And oh, actually, people... actually, remind me of a question I did want to ask you before closing. Yeah, go ahead. Have you had any second generation kids in the camp? We now are getting second generation kids. One of the things I should tell you, by the way, it's very interesting, is we've started an unofficial shidduch service. Really? There are many, and I say this also when I have girls that are like back from seminary and stuff like that, and they say, oh, I don't really want to go to camp. I'm too old. I said, You're missing the big picture. <laughs> because if you come to camp, you're exposing yourself to 800 shatchanim. 
<laughs> because not only are all the kids looking at you and saying, oh, my gosh, my brother, my uncle, my this, my that. So I wish funny. you would be my sister-in-law, da, 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 like that. Right. You know, all the older people are looking at you and they see you in a light. You know, you're letting your hair down. They see who you really are. They can be much more honest about who you are and what you need and what you're looking for. And we've had tens upon tens, if not hundreds of shaduchim that have happened through the years. Really? Of yeah, yeah. That's just, unbelievable. I had another one two weeks ago. Uh, she was a head counselor by us and there was a girl in camp she was crazy about and she had a brother and they hooked up and they got engaged two weeks ago. That's fantastic. It happens that's all the that, time. That's beautiful. That's, that's actually, time. that's a great way to end this podcast actually on a high mm-hmm. note. That's fantastic. If you're looking for a shidduch, yeah, know, come to Camp Ronan. That's right. <laughs> and uh, listen, Tully, it's been absolutely fantastic. I thank you. I know we could go on and on. Maybe we'll do this again. All right. Um, you, you brought up some very important issues mm-hmm. which should be delved into. And uh, But for now, we'll call it uh, an end to this podcast. But thank you for joining us and The From Entrepreneur. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to The From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliach.